0: Welcome to The Not-So-Simple Life. Meet your hosts, Kylie Vanami and Sophie Longford. These two fashion models are talking all things wellness, beauty, fashion, and all the not-so-simple things in between. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. We are so happy to have you guys back and joining us in this episode. We are diving into a highly requested topic from all of our listeners today. We know you guys are going to really get into this one. Our guest is the one and only Trish Barillas, and she will be speaking all about anxiety in this episode.
1: Yes. And as we all know, 2020 and 2021 have not been the easiest of years to say the least and that's why Trish is the perfect guest to join us and she is a speaker and author with over a decade of experience in relationships, anxiety and life coaching and so we will all be learning some tips today about how to manage those anxious moments in life. So let's start off this small talk with getting into our own experiences with anxiety. So Kylie have you ever had to deal with anxiety or panic disorders or anything like that?
0: Well I can't say that I have firsthand ever dealt with anxiety or panic disorders or anything like this, but like you said, 2020 and 2021 have been such a messy, messy last two years, and I definitely have been experiencing, I guess you could say more anxiety than I've ever experienced in my life. I definitely don't feel like I run very anxious, but I have had some friends and family members in my life who definitely deal with anxiety, and that's why I'm so excited to get into this conversation because I feel like it's important for those of us who don't have that much anxiety to know how to help our friends and family around us if they're dealing with anxiety. What about you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Before I experienced it when I was around like 16. I didn't really understand what the term anxiety meant. When people would say I have really bad anxiety or they are having panic attacks, I didn't quite get it because I'd never experienced it. And I think that's the case for quite a lot of people who have never experienced anxiety, which is very lucky because so many people do struggle with it. But it's just learning how to help other people who do have this kind of problem because it can be very crippling and it can really take over your life because I had it so, so bad when I was 16. But luckily for me, it only lasted for like a year. I got it under control quickly and I've luckily never had to deal with it. Since and hopefully it will never come back, but it was a very very horrible time, and I just had to learn all these ways to deal with it. And for me, just sitting down at dinner, I would start freaking out. I'd say to my mom or my friends, "Like, can we just take a walk or something? I need to distract myself." I just got into this thing of like wanting to panic for no reason whatsoever, and it's such a weird thing to like. Comprehend because it doesn't make sense as to why I'm panicking, but it just happened. And so I feel anyone who's going through it right now, but it doesn't last forever. Like there are ways to get it under control. And that's why we're doing this episode today.
0: Yep. And we are going to be talking about so many different topics in this realm. So, how you can get in front of anxiety, what you can do if you know you have something big coming up that may make you anxious, and just little micro tips for those small moments and then tips for those big moments for when you're really, really in a bad place and you're really freaking out and all kinds of different topics. So we know that this is a topic that so many of you guys have asked us to do. So we're so happy. We feel like we truly found the perfect guest to dive into this. And another thing that she does is she's a life coach. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Have you ever had a life coach, Soph?
1: I haven't, but it's not something I would ever turn down if I felt like I needed that in my life. I think it's awesome to be able to say like, I'm going to get a life coach and do what I need to do to get me into a better place. But what about you?
0: I actually would love to have a life coach, but I feel like a little intimidated by it. My boyfriend's sister has one, everyone that I love on Instagram, like influencers who have made it big, people who've started brands. I feel like they talk about having life coaches. Skinny Confidential has a life coach. Like I know so many people around me that have life coaches. So I'm excited to have this conversation with her and like kind of get the lowdown on that situation. Maybe how we can find a life coach, what to look for in a life coach, etc because I think it's basically just like a built-in support system and for some people maybe it's like a very good friend who kind of coaches them through things and for other people maybe it's a more formal thing like hiring and paying for a life coach to be around so my boyfriend's sister has a life coach that I think she has like an hour-long phone call with each week and she always says like after that call she feels like her thoughts are sorted she's in a good place she has a plan of action she knows how to move forward with her week if that makes sense
1: i'd say my mom is my life coach like she has to listen to all my problems and i just spill it out on her and that's the support system that helps me get through things but you know everyone needs that one person they can lean on when they need it and if it's a life coach that is that person then go for it and so without further ado i think we should get trish on the show we have so many good things to get into today so let's welcome on trish
0: All right, guys, we are joined today by Trish Badias, and we are so excited to have her on today. How's everything going for you? It's great. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, we're so, so happy to have you here. Well, do you want to start off this whole chat by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do as a life coach, specializing in a very important topic surrounding anxiety?
2: So I call myself a creator of positive change because that's really what I'm doing for my clients. So in terms of anxiety, there's anxiety in everyday life, right? Anxiety in work, relationships, um, personal. So in this day and age, due to pandemic, uh, anxiety has exacerbated because it took away all of our distractions, right? We all got stuck in home with four walls, testing our relationships with our partners or roommates or family. So what I really try to help with my clients is to manage uh, their response to their anxiety and to live a different style of life. So a lot of people like to quote unquote say like, oh, I wish I was normal. And I don't like the term normal. I've never met a normal person in my entire life, to be honest so it's it's anxious versus non-anxious people so it's really learning how to adapt to a anxious lifestyle because a lot of us try to live a non-anxious lifestyle and wonder why we're always so triggered
0: right well, maybe we could just dive right into this topic of anxiety and maybe just start at the very, very basics. So maybe someone listening to this podcast is dealing with it and doesn't realize what they're dealing with, or they've got someone around them dealing with anxiety. What is just the basics of anxiety and the different types of anxieties that you find yourself dealing with when you're helping your clients?
2: So the basics of anxiety in its simplest form is there's healthy anxiety and non-healthy. Healthy anxiety is when you know the factor. So let's say you're anxious to go on a date or you're anxious to go on an interview. There's a variable there that when you take that variable away or you start engaging in that practice, the anxiety will dissipate. Unhealthy anxiety is where you can't quite pinpoint it and it's a constant A lot of people will say it's almost like they're feel flighty. They can't catch their breath. It's hard to breathe. Their thoughts are racing and the unhealthy anxiety is where it really starts to affect your everyday life and your function of life is no longer something that is, you know, happy and you're not fulfilled. And the things that you used to love, sometimes you don't even find joy in that anymore. So with a lot of my clients, Anxiety, I like to call an onion, right? There's so many layers to anxiety. So there's social anxiety, health anxiety, panic disorder, GAD, which is generalized anxiety disorder. There's so much under the umbrella of what anxiety actually is. And I think that for people, especially when they come to see me, 90% of them are, are already in therapy, or they come to see me because they're so scared to even start that journey of, I think I'm an anxious and I might need some more help or tools. So I really start to normalize it for them. And then we find ways for them to start that journey and see how they can get more comfortable in seeking out other types of treatment.
1: Yeah. Well, your book called A Face of Anxiety, is all about embracing anxiety and taking back control of your life. So can you just walk us through what this means and where one can start trying to achieve this?
2: So for my younger part of my life, I was really, I really wanted to make a mark on the world and hide my anxiety. So as a Latina, I'm 5'2. i I'm quite small in the city of New York and I ran nightclubs. So to run nightclubs at my height. And at the time there weren't a lot of women managers in nightclubs, right? This was back in 2000. So I kind of, presented myself as this like badass, and I was so on top of things. And that's one of the gifts of anxiety is we're so detailed oriented and we're always gaming out the worst case scenario. So we have a solution for it. So when I wrote that book, I had already done, you know, nightlife and corporate, and I just was hiding this huge part of myself that I struggled with on the daily and still do. So when I wrote the book, I wrote it for someone like myself to read. And it's really to normalize, not feeling okay, because you just don't feel safe in your body and it's scary as hell. So I wrote it for a younger version of myself. And also I I'm a daughter of immigrants. So it was really, there's a language barrier and my family, they don't, you know, in my country, you don't go to therapists, right? You don't go to healers. You don't go to acupuncturists, They didn't have that. When my parents are growing up, they barely went to doctors, right? You can't afford it. right? So I wanted a safe space to talk about it. And it started on Instagram. So the book actually was written on Instagram. That's why it's called the handle is at a face of anxiety. So it reads almost like cliff notes. And uh, a lot of people are like, this reads like a, you know, like a post. And I said, well, that, yeah, that's exactly what it is. People that are anxious are scared to read about themselves. They're scared to figure out, oh God, what is this? And do I want to know about it? A lot of us try to push it away and I did for years. So when I was trying to embrace that part of me, I just did it in the biggest way possible, which was public. And then I had all of my old managers, my old bosses, and they said, you know, I had no idea. And I just, I didn't know that you, that you suffered. And I said, yep, I suffered on the daily, especially traveling for work was brutal. And it came across as me being like stuck up and cold and not wanting to engage but it was me battling panic attacks so I was just trying to conserve myself and I wasn't trying to offend people but when you don't provide context no one is a mind reader and they can't understand what what others are going through so that's really what the book is about is my it's a memoir of my struggles especially in work in my relationships and you know coming out on the other side
0: Well, I want to talk about taking back your life. I want to start small. So for people who find themselves dealing with minor cases of anxiety throughout the day, something as simple as running late, stressed about work, not enough time in a day, like so many different things. Like what is your best advice for someone who is struggling with this and is trying to take back their life and not let those little moments bring their whole day down or change the trajectory of their entire energy throughout the rest of the day? So-
2: I was listening to Nora Roberts. She is a a romance novelist and she had, I think, one of the best analogies I I can really think of that I actually use often in my practice. And she said, when juggling life and stress, there's, you know, and especially women say this a lot that they're managing all these balls in the air, right? And you have to understand which ones are plastic and which ones are glass and the ones that are plastic, you have to let go of, they will bounce you can pick them up later. The glass ones are the ones that you make a priority and you can only do as much as humanly possible, right? So when you're in this negative thought pattern, we have to self-soothe, meaning we have to be kinder to ourselves. And if you were talking to a friend and they were running late or stressed about work, you wouldn't put them down. You wouldn't point out the things that they've done wrong. You would pick them up. You would be positive. You would say, hey, it's okay to be late, it's only you know this one time or I understand you're going through a hard time at work and it's not gonna be forever. So changing the narrative of right now, right? I'm stressed right now or this is tough right now, meaning it's not gonna be, this isn't your state of emotions forever and then it makes it feel less heavy, right? When we can break it down to at this moment, I'm feeling this way, but feelings aren't facts they're just feelings. So we have to learn not to attach to them. And that's something that we often do is we want to attach to all of our feelings and carry them around. And we need to really notice them as if they were clouds, right? So you observe your feeling and you watch it go, but we don't attach to it. And you just say, you know what? I'm feeling this. It will pass. Let me move through this.
0: So you find it's really important to face those emotions head on though. Don't just keep moving. Don't suppress. Like if you're feeling something that's making you feel anxious, you have to address it with yourself in that moment.
2: Yeah. Own the feeling. So we're going to, instead of people want to push feelings away, right? Pretend it's not happening, pray it away, push it away. And that makes the anxiety stronger. It gives it more power. Anxiety is fear-based. So the more that you're scared of something, the stronger it's going to become. And then it becomes like a snowball effect. So I always say, ride it like a wave, right? So the anxiety wave. And if you think about it as the beach, right? You're looking at the ocean. When you see people trying to go out to the ocean, whether it's a surfer or you know whoever, when there's a wave that comes, they don't just stand there. Cause if you do, what happens? You get pummeled.
0: Right. Right.
2: And you lose your bathing suit and things are happening. (laughs) But when for you to get into the spot that you're looking for, you dive through the wave. So you actually go into it to get to the calmer place that you're looking for so that's how i really try to see the anxiety is i'm not going to stand here and let it pummel me and pretend it's not happening i'm going to move through it so it's almost like we ride the anxiety wave and you can name it too i love pen to paper when i'm really anxious i always ask myself what am i feeling right what is it am i scared and if i'm scared of what What is happening that is creating this in my body and then trying to find some grounding and grounding is different for everybody. So you really have to one, understand your triggers. And two, I like to create a little anxiety toolbox that I grab and use all my tools to get me through whatever that situation is.
1: Yeah. I love that analogy. But what about the very big anxious moments and the bits that you just feel like are getting out of control and say you can feel like a panic attack about to start? Are there any ways or techniques that have worked for you in stopping a panic attack from happening and trying to calm yourself down to stop it from getting out of control?
2: So panic is interesting because there you can have anxiety but not have panic disorder. Mm-hmm. Panic attacks come in two forms, either the fear of having a heart attack or the fear of going crazy. I get the fear of going crazy. So panic comes real quick and it hits hard like a Mack truck. So it's hard to get in front of a panic, but when you're in it, it's when I talked about the toolkit. So I've created something that's soothing to me. So I know when I start to feel this come on, I use essential oils because I go to senses, my sense of sound and my sense of smell. So I use my oils, something that feels good to my body. And then I start using my playlist. I have an anxiety playlist that I use for panic. It is old school hip hop, right? That is what really shifts my brain because I, I enjoy it. It reminds me of things that we're happy. It reminds me of me being in high school. And then I walk, I start to move my body. So you'll see and my husband will, will know what's happening. Cause I'll just be walking in circles or walking all throughout the apartment with my headphones on. And I usually uh, use my uh, sense of touch as well. So I'll rub my arms and in my head, I keep saying you're okay you're okay. And panic attacks is really an adrenaline dump. Your system has dumped all of this adrenaline and you're in fight or flight and your body is so acutely alert because it's looking for the danger, right? So I talked to my amygdala. That's the amygdala is a group of uh, nervous tissue that sits at the base of your brain. And it's the size of an almond. So I love showing people a video on the amygdala because you can talk to it and say, Hey, you got the wrong message. We're okay. You're fine. And it's nice to name it, right? I call mine Amy because it's spelled, it's spelled Amy G So I call her Amy and I'm like, Amy, we're okay. We're okay. You're not going to go crazy and run through the streets like a mm-hmm. crazy person. You're not going to be sent to an institution because in my brain, it's spiraling so quickly that that's the fear right? So I just kind of treat it with what is versus what if, right? So what is the facts of my situation? Where am I? What am I doing? Am I safe versus what if this happens? And what if that happens when you spiral into the, what if cycle that actually just perpetuates the
1: anxiety, Yeah, I used to deal with my panic attacks in the exact same way I would either go for a walk or put on really nice music that I loved. And so you're saying it's a different way to deal with panic disorder as it is to deal with anxiety because with anxiety, you have to like tune into what you're feeling and acknowledge it and be more self aware, whereas with a panic attack or panic disorder, it's more about finding distractions and taking yourself away from that train of thought and that panic, right?
2: Correct. It's because the panic is so severe and so sudden. So you're trying to shift the brain. You're trying to get the brain to get off of the internal and onto something external. So that's why you kind of like, you'll have your toolkit and of things that you use that you know can shift your mindset to let you know that you're okay and that you're safe. And a lot of times people will phone a friend right? If they're scared. And that's, that's always my last resort because I really want to call upon myself to get myself through it because we are stronger than we think. And we need to feel safe in our bodies.
0: Yeah. That's actually what I wanted to dive into next, because I wouldn't say I have dealt with too much anxiety in the past, but I have been surrounded by very close friends and family who deal with intense, intense anxiety. And it's something that I think until you've fully experienced it yourself, you can't 100% understand what they're going through because I think it is a very personal thing. So for friends and family around us who are maybe going through anxiety and dealing with anxious moments often, what is your best advice to kind of be there for them, help them and get them through these situations without being too touchy or without being too pushy or without you know not saying enough what would you advise these people to do
2: so this is a great question those that identify as non anxious right you're never going to know what it feels like and we and we don't need you to know right we just need you to hear us and hold space for us so what i always advise is ask your loved one when they're not in a state of anxiety right when they're in a calm place and really ask them Hey, when you're in a bad spot, what can I do to best support you? Because everybody's different. Some people want to be, you know, maybe touched. Some people don't want to be left alone. So like it, so everyone has a different method because we're, you know, we're all individuals made up of different DNA. So I always ask them in a calm state, what is best for them? And then what I find reassuring is for someone to always say, I'm here if you need me. That's always the most comforting, like, because we can't fix it. No one's going to take it away. No one can solve it. But when someone, when I let someone know, God, you know, this is really bad. I'm, I'm battling this and I'm having five panic attacks a day. When my husband or my girlfriend say, I'm here, if you need me, that feels so good to me and it's not solve anything, but I just feel, I feel loved.
1: Yeah. Like I had a friend who I would never have assumed had anxiety disorder or panic disorder. And we were out at dinner one time and they were sitting there and they just came out with it and they were like, by the way, I'm having a panic attack. But you would never have known it because you can't see it. But it was so freeing to them just to be able to say that and get it out. And they calmed down straight away because I was there and I was like, okay, just take a minute, like breathe through it. Whereas if you're trying to suppress and like hide it, it makes it so much worse. So do you think it's important for your friends to feel like they can open up and say, like, I am having a panic attack or I'm having an anxiety attack to like kind of bring those nerves back down?
2: Absolutely. All mental illnesses are tough because it's invisible, right? You can't see it. And for those who've never experienced it, you have no clue, right? It's like trying to explain to someone who's never drank in their life what feeling drunk is. You, mm-hmm. you you can try your best, but unless you go through it, you have no clue. So I love full transparency. I'm all about being absolutely honest with who you are, what you go through, and your people are your people, right? Like your tribe should we should share. And in in this day and age, the mental health platforms and the wellness spaces, everyone's talking about what they're going through. And just because someone doesn't have anxiety, they definitely are battling something else, whatever that might be. Right. So we're Mm -hmm. all up against something and we all need to hold space for each other. So the more that the people that you love and care about, can know more about you, they will be the ones that will help you through that space. Right. And I've had many panic attacks at dinners. I can't even, I couldn't even count. And I'll tell, and all my girls are aware. One of them will say, okay, let's go for a walk, Mm
0: -hmm. go
2: outside, go for a walk, come back down. All is good. You'll never know. You'll have no clue that that's going on. And that's really, I think, the the beauty of friendships is that you can share and really be there for your people.
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to touch on that point a little bit, like you said, whether you're dealing with anxiety, whatever it is, we're all dealing with something and something that I know we all deal with is negative thought patterns. Just having days where you just can't get out of that rut and your thoughts are just completely negative. So I want to know what ways do you manage to get yourself out of negative thought patterns when you're having those days and those moments?
2: So I, it's something I call a joy bucket. So I like to hit my joy bucket at least once a day. Joy buckets is anything that makes you happy, small things, not big things. So it could be your favorite coffee shop. It could be uh, something that you don't eat quite often. It could be a show that you love, something that you can look forward to or getting your nails done, watching you know, animal videos that make you happy. You're basically just trying to find more hits of, of dopamine to get that happiness feeling. So every day as part of, you know, my morning mindfulness, I'll ask myself, well, what's going to be my joy bucket today? What? How am I going to hit that? And I'll already know like, ooh, good, I can do this today. And they make me happy, right? And I think that we forget that small things can create the biggest impacts. And we're always so busy, you know, figuring out what's next and what am I not doing? What am I not accomplishing? But then we need to think about the things that we've done right and the things that we have. So rather than focusing on the lack of, you go to the abundance of like, you know what? I have a roof over my head i have people who love me i love my pet my pet loves me you know small things that you just have to remind yourself that you know what it's not all bad and if you're in a negative cycle then you just have to try a bit harder right you're gonna have to make it more of a practice and really commit to it and 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 if you need an accountability partner That's where your friends pop in and you say every day, I'm going to send you my list of things I'm grateful
1: for. And if I don't call me out on it, it's time to say goodbye to feeling just fine and say hello to feeling
0: like your very best self. Say hello to your new wellness weapon, CBD, cured nutrition, CBD products help you find that sweet spot in your wellness routine. And we are so here for it.
1: We would be doing you all a disservice by not letting you in on this major hack. Kylie and I take a trio of supplements from Cured Nutrition called Rise, Aura, and Zen. And let's just say that we have never felt so
0: mentally balanced and clear in our life thanks to these products. Brain fog, bye bitch. Fatigue, you're canceled. And mood swings, not today, honey. It is all about taking CBD when it comes to tackling these common issues.
1: And we have secured an exclusive discount code for all of you. At checkout, enter code SIMPLE for 10% off. That's S I M P L E at checkout.
0: Love it. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Well, a very interesting conversation that I'd love to get your thoughts on is medications and when anxiety medications should be necessary versus when they may not be. And if this is something that you believe in or not.
2: Full transparency. I, I'm a huge advocate of medication. I myself am medicated and I believe that the, the medication journey is really tough. It is not easy. It's hard. No one talks about the transition because it's a chemical, right? We're changing our brain chemistry. So when you start meds, it exacerbates whatever it is that you're experiencing. So if you're anxious, you actually tend to get more anxious. And if you have panic, you might have more panic. And I really encourage people to always seek medication from a psychiatrist. Doctors tend to prescribe, right? And they'll give you, okay, here, take this. But uh, you really need support. So you need to get a proper diagnosis. You need someone that that has to do check-ins, right? So you have to check in every six months. And there are also you can take uh, there's blood work that you can check that you can do that actually can tell you what your body will respond to better on medications. Oh, wow. So there's, there's many different things that and but you got to ask, right? Like, it's your health. And you can't, if something doesn't feel right uh, in your body, or if you don't feel that you're getting the right attention from a doctor, go somewhere else. Just because they're doctors doesn't mean that they might know what's best for your body. You might not vibe with them. They might not be the, the best support. So medication to me, in my opinion, is if you're not living the life that you feel you could, if your life could be that much better, and you don't have to suffer what, like we're only here once. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is life, yep. right? So why suffer through it? And that's what my doctor said to me. He said, he's like, you know, Trish, you don't have to suffer like this. Like you, you, you're suffering. And it, I started crying and I was like, wow, man, I am. And then I watched silver linings playbook. And for some reason, I don't know what happened, but it just all of a sudden clicked, right? When Bradley Cooper takes that pill because he realized that he wanted a better life. And the next day I called my psychiatrist and I said, let's go, let's do it. Like, let's do mm. it. And I was late to the game. That was in my late thirties. I was like 37 or something. So I think medication, you know, after you've exhausted all other options and you've done holistic and you've you know whatever works for you and and you feel confident with and then if you're like it's still not okay I'm still not okay then I'm a huge advocate for medication because just for myself it turned my it made my life easier. I'm still the same person. I still have anxiety, I still have panic, but I'm not suffering.
0: Yeah, I've watched medication change lives around me as well and It's a personal journey, so some people may need it, some people may not, but you just have to tune into what you need, and I think that's the most important thing, but you mentioned holistic and natural approaches. I want to dive into that because even someone like me who may not be the most anxious person, but I have my days, I have my weeks. There's certain months where there's a lot more going on. Are there holistic supplements? For example, ashwagandha, it's something that I feel like so many people are speaking of. It's supposed to calm the nervous system. Do you have any natural holistic approaches that you're a big fan of?
2: I love CBD. I was, and as anxious people, we are scared to take everything. We are so worried that whatever we take is going to create more anxiety or give us panic.
1: Yeah, I thought everything was going to kill me.
2: <laughs> right. So it's really funny because I, and this is one of the things with clients, is they're so scared to either, you know, even just to take CBD or ashwagandha. They have no problem taking a Tylenol, though, right? If they mm-hmm. have a headache or hungover they'll pop those babies in. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to something with the brain, it's like, oh, I don't know. But I love ashwagandha. I've always been a big advocate of ashwagandha. I'm someone that prefers things like uh, an elixir because I feel like it's a bit more pure and it hits a bit quicker. So ashwagandha comes in capsules and teas, elixirs, anything under the sun. There's also L-theanine, Mm -hmm. which I'm a huge advocate for because it really supports the central nervous system. And I've been to naturopaths. I mean, I've done it all. So what I think is always helpful is to really seek out a nutritionist or a program and see what works for your body, right? Like sometimes our bodies can't break down certain components or, you know, it's just, we need something a little bit different. Probiotics are extremely helpful People with anxiety, I always say check your vitamin D levels.
0: Yes. Because
2: they tend to be very deficient in vitamin D. So when you go for blood work, ask to run exactly what you feel. And if you don't know, then you can, you know, speak to a holistic and they'll be able to tell you what you should be checking. So your vitamin D, your vitamin B, I mean, there's just. So much around that. And it has to really be catered to your body, right? We're all different. Melatonin is used to, for people to calm down. They use it for sleep. Melatonin gives me panic. I don't know why I have a a complete adverse reaction to it. So it's really trial and error, right? What can you take and start everything small? So if you're going to start a supplement, just use one supplement for two weeks so that you know how your body reacts to it. Then you can start to layer other supplements because sometimes people want the quick fix. They're like, I'm going to take ashwagandha and I'm going to take l and I'm going to do CBD. And then if they have a reaction, one, we don't know what it was. And two, now you don't want to take anything ever again. So it ruined your whole experience, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so that I would say, go slow and really understand what would be best for your body.
1: And what about something as simple as fitness? Like how can that help us in reducing cortisol and easing anxiety? Do you think that's a very effective way to calm yourself down and relieve that?
2: This is a great question because it depends on the movement, right? Some people who are anxious don't like things that are kind of high intensity. I know, I know I can't do it because it it mimics panic. So when my heart rate hits that, I start to get really uncomfortable and I start to feel nauseous and then it could spiral me into a panic attack. So it really has to deal with where you're at that day and in that space, but movement is always gonna be best for your body just for health purposes, right? And movement is essential for mental health. And with anxiety, I think it's just finding the right Type of movement. So even if it's just a vinyasa yoga, something a little bit easier on the body and slower. So if you find something slower, you're still moving, right? Because we're all, tr- what's really about moving energy, you know? Yeah. So you're trying to just move energy. And I don't even care if it's stretching. 15 minutes of stretching, because as anxious, our shoulders are up to our ears. We're holding our breath. We can't breathe into our abdomen. So you just kind of want to, you know, get the body to release. And even if you need a, um, I have this thing called the buddy. It has these little knobs on it and it gets pressure points. Hmm. It's fantastic. It is one of, it got me through pandemic. I'm obsessed with it. It's like 30 bucks on Amazon and you use your own body weight And then that breaks up all the tension. So it's really focusing on how can you break up the tension and how do you get your body to sit deeper and have better breath work, right? Like that's what we need to focus on. But yes, fitness. And I think I like the word movement because when we say fitness, people think that it has to be a class or berries or, you You know, sweat. Yeah. And that's my own belief is I don't believe you have to sweat. I think you just got to get
0: your body to move. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know if there's any wellness practices in your morning and nighttime routine that you feel like are essential in keeping you in a good headspace. I have a morning mindfulness
2: practice as an anxious, and this is, I know, an interesting debate. People tend to say that their meditation is their medication. That doesn't work for everyone, right? And those of us who have a mental illness, it's hard to meditate. Right to sit still with yourself is the one thing that we're actually trying to never do, (laughs) because you're going through so much in your head. So I I call it morning mindfulness because meditation, if we break it down, is just doing one thing with the intent of being present, as if you're doing it for the first time. That is what is what meditation is supposed to be about, and you know I'm sure it started with someone on a rock somewhere, right? Wasn't very comfortable. So it doesn't need to be this big, you know, sitting on a bag and doing a chant. My morning mindfulness and something that I think people are doing all the time is they wake up and they grab their phone and they're looking at their phone in bed. To me, that is like watching the ring at 8 a.m. You're shocking your body. And you're looking at your emails, what you have to do, what are people doing on, you know, media platforms. And then now you feel bad about yourself and it's not even like eight o'clock, right? Or it's like, why, why make yourself feel that way? So for me, I just, I hit my alarm off and I lay in bed and I do a two to three minute practice of how did Mm -hmm. I sleep? What did I dream about? What does my body need today? Meaning what's my joy bucket today? Am I going to walk down the street and get my cold brew latte? Is that going to happen today? Am I going to be excited about laying on my bio mat for 15 minutes? And then I just do an inventory of the body. Am I sore? Do I need to stretch? Um, and then I say, okay, and now I'm ready. And then when my feet hit the floor, then my hand goes to my phone. And then I can start my day. So I make it a practice to never check my phone in the morning in bed. My feet have to be on the ground. Uh, so that's my morning mindfulness practice. And if I don't do it, my days thrown off. Yeah.
0: What about nighttime?
2: Nighttime is interesting. I am a huge fan of reality TV. My me husband too. hates it. <laughs> I love it. It's, mindless, it's and mindless. It makes me happy. It's yep. a joy bucket. It, mm-hmm. That is a joy bucket. So I watch my trash TV and then I start to shut down all the lights. I make it dim. And then my favorite app is insight timer. They have all of these sounds, meditations, guided meditations, et cetera. So I have a playlist called sleepy time. And as soon as I put that on the dog, my husband, everybody's aware that it's time to go to bed. And I train myself and I use this, I kind of jump between three of them. And I put oils on my wrists and then I spray my pillow with some oil incense and it's a practice like, and I put on my chapstick and then I get into bed. I make sure that when I read, I don't use my lamp. I, you know, those, those travel lights, Yeah. you know, that you clip on because light is really effective when you're trying to calm the system. So if you have a lamp that's too bright, it might keep you more awake so mm-hmm. I like the little clip on, um, and then that's how I, I get myself to sleep. And sometimes if I can't read, I'll just do insight timer oils, spray, and then bed. Oh, and my phone's on do not disturb by 10 o'clock. And my phone is in a different room when I watch my trash TV.
1: That's a good idea.
2: Yes. I put it in the kitchen. And so my husband will be like, I just texted you. I'm, I'm committed to my trash TV. And yeah. I don't want to be disturbed.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to get into alcohol because it's a very conflicting thing with alcohol because I know for me, I went through a phase where I used it as a way to relieve anxiety, whether it's social anxiety or just like generalized anxiety. Like I would go and get a glass of red wine and I would calm myself down. But then I always ended up feeling more anxious the next day when i got a hangover or something like that. And just doesn't make me feel good afterwards. But what are your thoughts in regards to anxiety and alcohol?
2: So as someone whose whole life has been around alcohol. I ran nightclubs. I worked for one of the largest alcohol companies in corporate America. So alcohol, it's always going to have an effect on those who are anxious. Um, It's a depressant. So when you are the next morning, so you'll feel fine in the moment, right? And you will feel calmer. That's the whole point of it. But then the next day, it really, it changes the levels of serotonin in your brain. And, and and other neuro, neurotransmitters so that's why you feel you kind of go into like a lull and you'll feel depressed, right like you mm-hmm. go into a depression and then the anxiety can spike and also panic attacks you're basically inviting panic to come in. but it doesn't mean that you can't ever drink, right It's that as a anxious, You have to live a lifestyle that creates balance. So almost like, you know, same you, whatever you're drinking, you're, you're, you have to equate to water. So one drink, then one water and one drink, then one water, never drink on an, on an empty stomach, stick to the same thing and really understand what your body likes, right? Like your body may not like red wine or it may not like, you know, Uh, hard alcohol. So I don't feel that you can never not drink, but you have to realize that as an anxious, your body can't break down alcohol the same way. And it affects, it absolutely will affect your brain chemistry. So you're going to have some, some sort of effect. So you really want to plan ahead and make sure that you are drinking slow, right? So when we're anxious, we're drinking so fast. Yeah, And when you're in a social setting, you're just, you know, you're, it's like wine is now water and you're just chugging it. So you have to really ask yourself, is it worth it? Is this worth it? Um, What, you know, what else can I do to get myself in a better space going into this situation? Um, Because alcohol seems like your friend in the moment. And then the next day you have to battle all of the anxiety. So it's tricky. It's very tricky. I myself love wine. So I know my limit. It's two past two. I'm asking for trouble and Mm -hmm. I cannot blame anybody but myself. So it has to be worth it.
0: I have to be very mindful with alcohol as well, because I have the worst, morning, anxiety, always. I don't sleep well. I wake up at 5, 6, 7 a.m. I go over my night. I'm just in a dark place for a good three, four hours, usually after a night of drinks. So because of that, I just have to be very mindful. And I have this rule of thumb where I will not drink unless life is great. Because if anything is going wrong in life and then I have that morning after feeling, it's like, it just feels like the end of the world. So I feel like that is a real big difference is having that rule of thumb for sure.
2: Yep. You drink to celebrate. You don't drink to forget. That's always what I would ask myself. Am I celebrating or am I trying to forget? And when you're in a bad spot, right? Like breakups, job changes, moving, something stressful, drinking will never feel good. Even if you only had, even if I have to in that space, can't do it. I really have to be mindful. And it comes down to willpower, right? Like we have choices every day, every day of your life, you have choices and you have to really choose what's going to be best for you and understand what your lifestyle is as an anxious, we have to live a different lifestyle than someone that's not anxious. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's the truth of the matter.
0: Well, in terms of alcohol and just holidays coming up in general, it's end of the year. There's lots of indulgence during the holidays and it can be a very stressful time for so many people. And so I just wanted to hear if you had any tips or advice for anyone listening who maybe does struggle with that end of year feeling when the holidays are here. I've got a million things to do. I'm closing out my year. Do you have any advice for those people who struggle?
2: Yeah. I would say, learn how to say no to things that are not essential, right? We always say yes to everything. Yeah. That sounds great. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yes. I can get that to you by mid-November or whatever it is. So learning how to say no and asking yourself, am I saying yes to make someone else happy? Or am I saying yes to myself? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, is this, beneficial for me? And if so, great, right? Like then you, you can, then you'll be excited about it and knowing your limits, managing your expectations. Holidays are tough. They're always tough because people have to travel, family dynamics are interesting. So managing your expectations and really not feeling uh, or adding pressure to it being like the best, right? Like, oh, I better have like the best New Year's. And what's everybody else doing? Who cares, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to be happy. So what does that look like for you? And how can you create that? So manage your expectations, say yes to the things that make you happy. Don't feel bad about saying no and learning how to pause. So when people ask you, to join things or do things. We're quick we're quick to respond. Oh my god, that sounds great. Always give yourself a pause and say, "You know what? Let me just check my calendar to make sure that that works for me." Because another thing about saying yes to everything is when you don't show up, now you're flaky. Mm-hmm. And anxious people tend to cancel a lot because we get nervous and we're like, "You know what?" I don't know if I can do it. So putting in a pause and really saying to someone, I'll get back to you. And then the benefits, as long as it's not a wedding, right? That's usually you have to RSVP. But if you say, I'll get back to you or I don't believe I can make it. And then you show up, it's a bonus, Yeah. right? But saying you're going to go and then not showing up, then that looks poorly on your character. So I think really managing how you balance your life And putting in a little bit of a pause to give you that space to really think about whether you want to commit to something or not.
1: Yeah, I think it's important in these kind of times to be selfish and put yourself first and not commit to every single invitation or social plan and to really think about what is best for you. And so you can take a moment. I agree with you 100% on that one.
2: It's self-care. You are practicing your own self-care. And you really have to, you know, no one's going to put you first. No one will. And people will, will steamroll you and take all of your time and push you to your limit if you don't set proper boundaries and if you don't say no. So yes, it is absolutely a necessity.
1: Well, we ask all of our guests this at the end of every episode. We want to know what three products or gadgets, and it can be anything that comes to mind that you just can't live without.
2: So my, I'm not a big fan of makeup or hair, which is funny, but I'm obsessed with my chapstick. I get anxious if I don't have it and it's not during the day. It's at night. I always have to put my chapstick on at night. It's called Evan Healy and it's just so buttery. And I just feel like, oh, you're welcome lips. You know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. cause at night things get so dry inside timer is another, I could not live without, without my inside timer and face oil obsessed with face oil.
1: I was going to ask some skincare tips for you because your skin is unreal. I wish you could all see it right now, but your skin is next level. So I was going to have to ask, do
2: you have a favorite face oil? It's called simply naked go to glow. I feel horrible if that's not the right name, <laughs> but I don't use creams. I don't it's genetics. I always say this to people. I'm 43 years old. My parents look amazing. I don't wear makeup every day. I do for you guys today. I put some makeup on. look amazing. But really it comes down to genetics. And I feel bad that, you know, everybody is always struggling to look a certain way. And, you know, I get it from my parents and that's really, and I just use oil, but everybody's skin is so different. So I thank you for the compliment, but I really, I give it to my parents on that one.
1: You hit the genetic jackpot.
0: Thanks, mom and dad. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, this was such an important conversation that we've been wanting to have for so long because so many of our listeners have asked us to cover this. And so I definitely want our listeners to know where they can find you in your practice, your social media. Could you let us know all of that?
2: So the book is At a Face of Anxiety. And that's just the book. I don't post any more on that. And then my own personal, where I do some coaching tips, et cetera, is T. Barillis. So T, then my last name and my website is trishbarillis.com.
1: Well, thank you so much, Trish. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on here today. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. So thank you so much for coming on.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It is such a huge topic and it's one that was never talked about as often as it is now, right? Mm-hmm. If this was something that I had as you know a 15 year old, a 20 year old, I think the trajectory of my life would have changed. I wouldn't have suffered as long as I did. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. The transparency on social media is just like game changing.
2: Yeah, there's pluses and minuses to media platforms. I built my business on social media. I've wrote a book on social media. There's so many things that you can get education wise, normalizing, feeling heard, seen. that social media does provide. And that's what I love about it, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are following people that don't make you feel good about yourself, even if they're great humans, don't follow them. Mm -hmm. I follow this happy little blob. There's like a, it's this, I think it's a guy um, and he does these little blobs and they make me so happy. I love seeing them in the morning. I'm like, oh, it's the happy blob.
0: Cute. I started following a Bigfoot who dances. So <laughs> that's like my little happy thought.
1: <laughs> I've seen the Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, Trish can speak on so many more topics and I want you guys to all check her out. So be sure to head on over to her page and I'm sure she can get back to you on any other questions that we weren't able to cover today. And Trish, again, thank you so, so much for joining us.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me
1: wow we absolutely loved the episode with trish i hope you guys really enjoyed it and took something from that but now we're getting into our little q a section we do this at the end of every episode and we're going to answer two questions today so the first one is very relevant to what we've been talking about today and it is what are your favorite self-help positive thinking books
0: Ooh, that is a good one. And I feel like we might have answered this many, many episodes ago, but it's a great one to bring back into this episode. For me, when I find myself in a rut, I read Super Attractor by Gabrielle Bernstein. Game changer. It will just truly get your head in a good space when maybe you're feeling like your head hasn't been in a good space. And it's a light, easy read, and I cannot recommend it enough. What about you?
1: Yeah, you've mentioned this book quite a few times, and I still need to read it. So that is on my reading list. But I would say for me, it would be The Four Agreements. It's just a really amazing book of just making yourself more self aware and not allowing yourself to be affected by other people's words. So that's one of my favorite self help books.
0: I was gifted that book and I read it once. And also I think Mimi Bouchard brought it up. So that's such a good one. All right. Number two, what do you guys do to avoid and manage anxiety?
1: Another very relevant question. But for me, what really helped me through those hard times was just staying distracted. So if I ever felt like myself get a little bit panicky or my anxiety starting to rise, distract myself. Whether that's going for a walk, which always helped me or listening to some good music, putting on a really funny TV show, anything that's going to distract you and get you out of that moment and out of your own head. And also like, you know, listening to podcast episodes like this and like hearing other people's stories and not feeling so alone in it. I think that's the key. What about you?
0: So for me, I would probably say it's just about getting ahead of it. Being self aware enough to know what it is that triggers me, what things and what people and what places make me anxious, and just kind of staying away from that. So, also taking CBD from cured nutrition, avoiding alcohol when I'm feeling anxious, just, you know, living a healthy lifestyle, getting movement in, just basically. As long as I'm staying on track with my healthy lifestyle, I feel like that truly helps me manage any anxious feelings that may be waiting to erupt at any time because we do live in New York City and I know there's anxiety everywhere, but I feel like this is a very anxious city. There is a lot going on here. Everyone's working so hard. Everyone's trying to just pay the expensive rent that we all pay here. And I feel like there's a lot of anxiety around us in the city. So for me, it's just about doing the things that make me feel good and trying to get ahead of the problem rather than having to deal with it when it comes.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and when you take care of your body, you're not just taking care of your body, you're also taking care of your mind. So staying on top of your health is going to do so many more benefits for you than just getting you in shape and giving you a healthy body. It really does make a big difference to anxiety, depression, all of that. So guys, that is everything for this episode. Thank you so much for being here with us and delving into this very important topic and if you enjoyed it please don't forget to leave us a little rating on apple Podcasts. we really really appreciate any feedback
0: those reviews truly go such a long way and for all of you who have done this for us thank you we love you and we appreciate you you can also keep up with us until our new episode next tuesday head on over to at the not so simple life on instagram and we are keeping you guys in the loop products updates all the things till then we cannot wait to see you guys for a brand new episode next week